welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we are doing episodes five through eight of Tale of the Nine-Tailed. Did I get it right? Did I do it? You nailed it! Yeah, I nine-tailed it. No. You nine-tailed it. I nine-tailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how, how you feeling about this show? Uh, I feel like these, at least somewhere inside of these last four episodes, was a bit of a lull. Uh, I'm hoping that this was just like the Wednesday of the episode group, you know, and we just had to get mm-hmm. over that hump, and then we can get into like that good, good weekend material. Uh huh. And I feel like we started to get there. Yeah, I, I guess. Sorry, go for it. I was just gonna say by the end of the last. Four episodes, so by the end of episode eight, I was reinvested big time. But mm-hmm. we can get into why later. But it, yeah, it took a minute for me to get back there. I was there too. I was the exact same. But I was gonna say we always forget, or we usually forget. How are you? Checking in. Pretty good. Um, I do have like a thing I want to talk about a little bit for the check-in, <gasps> and it's literally just copying something you talked about a couple weeks ago when you recommended the show Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. Uh, mm-hmm. holy shit, that is a good show. <laughs> it's so good, right? Yeah, I've been watching it over the holidays with my parents. Uh, we're recording this episode. This is the most recent episode we're recording after Christmas. And so I was watching it with them like over Christmas. It's the perfect Christmas spirit show that isn't Christmassy. Just because it's uh-huh. very pure and happy and it gets you in a very jolly spirit. I've been extremely happy with it. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. Our listener Ben emailed us and he was like, it's so good, right? I mean... It's It just is. It's so wholesome, and they start to set up for these classic, very dramatic moments that always happen in kind of sitcom shows, and then they completely divert your expectations and do something so beautifully, like, adult and mature that dissipates any drama that could have happened and would have been so frustrating and you've seen a thousand times on a thousand shows before yeah like, and it feels so good it feels so good and the characters skip holding grudges they get over conflict in a very real way it's not just that they're magically over difficult situations but they don't hold people accountable for stuff they don't have control over they don't even necessarily hold people accountable for stuff They did have control over, but they apologized for because at that point they're like, hey, you apologized. You know, now we're moving past it. Now we're doing a thing. Uh huh. And it's a comedy. And so it really slaps real good when they're freaking building up all of this drama. And then they're like, ah, no, we're going to laugh it off. It's very check out this very funny one liner that we came up with. Hilarious. Lol. You would think that would come off as inauthentic and disingenuous and it doesn't at all no there's so much heart in this show this show has more heart than potentially any i've seen it's just very wholesome and it's very short so 
Go get a free trial to Apple TV and just watch that show. Yep. Or you can wait until the second season came out, because I have not even watched the last episode of the first season. And yes, I have already looked up if there is going to be a second and a third season. And there are. They've already been approved for two more seasons, because they know it's a good show. They know people want more. It might be what keeps Apple TV afloat. No offense, Apple TV. (laughs) You haven't been my favorite so far. Yeah. Everything else. I mean, my partner that I've been watching Apple TV with, who has Apple TV independently of Ted Lasso for some reason, has recommended some (laughs) other really good stuff to me that I'll have to check out. But so far, Ted Lasso has been the only thing that's caught my attention on Apple TV+. We, I shouldn't throw it under the bus because my husband and I have been binging a lot of baby shows on Apple TV that are very good. There was a hole left in our heart after we finished the Netflix series Babies, which was (laughs) so, so good. And there are a few shows like that on Apple TV that have done us well. But just scrolling through Apple TV, we were trying to find Christmas movies this weekend, and every other show you click on... It says, like, rent it. And I'm like, is there a setting that I don't know about that you can sort into things that you're paying for with the subscription and things that you have to pay extra for to rent? There is not. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's absolute trash. I, when I am on my boyfriend's TV, like, using his Apple TV and not the free subscription I set up to watch Ted Lasso with my parents, um, I will only ever select things from the library because I'm so terrified of accidentally buying a series or something on his card. Yeah, that's what my sister is the one with the account and that's what we're doing. And it's so weird that it's set up that way that you can't just be like, hey, what do you have, Apple? What's what's good for you? Just tell me that list and I'll watch those shows. Like when I go on Netflix, like, we have anything. the shows that I can watch are there and that and that's how I watch them. And they're they're all none of them are free. I pay for that, but I don't have to worry about paying extra on accident. Hey Apple, your interface is never thought I'd say this about any of your prog- products, but your interface is bad. It's bad. It's not good. It's not good. Could be improved. Yep. Yeppers. Yeah. So anyway, Um, that's me. (laughs) Anything you need to get off your chest? Um, I guess this will be a while after the appointment. Uh, This week was Christmas. It was very good. It was the second Christmas we've ever spent away from our families, which was so sad in a way, but also we celebrated it as our first family Christmas because we have a baby now even though it's not born yet it is a baby to celebrate Christmas with and that was exciting in its own way so we stayed upbeat and optimistic and we actually ended up having a doctor's appointment that day and finding out the gender maybe Of our baby. (laughs) Why maybe? Um, Because the baby was upside down (laughs) when they took the ultrasound. Not very cooperative. Hey, baby, we're going to need a little bit more effort from you. Just bump it up 10%. 
You're literally always moving. Just all the time. Baby is moving. Magical. Sweet. Unexpected joy. Could you do that now? Could you do that right now? Just flip on over. Um, they didn't. But So we'll have to circle back to this in another month after the next ultrasound. But pretty sure... It's a girl. <gasps> Yay! That is not what we were expecting when we talked about it the first couple months of this experience and process. I had just really latched on to the idea that it was a boy. We were bound to be 50%. We, had. we had a 50% chance of being right, and we were wrong. So... We were 90% sure that we were right, though, which is difficult. Yes. I mean, we're so excited either way. It does not matter what gender our baby is. That will have no effect on us. But we picked a boy name, (laughs) and now we have to pick a girl name. The process starts over. And that's rough. The process starts over. We've got a long list of girls' names. I, uh, I think it's interesting, I guess, like a fun little background for the listeners that is something that I'm privy to. So Jason, I grew up with Emily's husband. I think we mentioned that once every 10 or 15 episodes of the podcast. So there's a chance you don't know, maybe, listener. Um, on, on that chance, I grew up with Emily's husband, Jason. We lived across the street from each other growing up. And uh, he has three brothers. And um, so all boys... All boys on that side of the family. And then I think his dad also only has brothers, right? Yeah, I think his dad also has three brothers. Yes, so it's just... And his mom, out of nine kids, there were, I think, two girls? Yeah. As far as I'm aware, that is... Lots of boys. Correct. So just... We just made assumptions. Yeah, just... Based on the fact that, and then if you go by name passed down to babies, I don't know of any uh, girls in their family because he has all brothers and his dad has all brothers. And I don't know, I don't go much past that. You know, it's a small town. You go pretty, <laughs> going through the dad's family feels pretty far. So, mm-hmm. um, so I guess that's just Buck Wild, right? To think that this might be the first girl in his line of boys. In his dad's family. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be precious. Yeet. Whatever it is, we'll, we'll circle back to this. It might all change again. <laughs> As it is, we have a onesie from each grandma, and they're both pretty gender neutral, so we're keeping it. Keeping it safe. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea. I mean, it's it's fine to just keep it gender neutral forever. Gender neutral is adorable, so I mean it's a baby, so I don't know what the need is for it to be super gendered. gendered. Yeah. <laughs> it just has basic needs of survival. That's freaking progressive M. I mean, I say that now when I'm trying to think about, like, what kind of car seat do I need to buy and what kind of crib do I need to buy? Those are pretty gender-neutral items. But once I start actually having the baby in my arms and I'm like, you need clothes, I might be like, 
you would look super cute in this dress that's just 16 layers of ruffles because that's hilarious <laughs> and so cute. You're just a little pile of ruffles. I for sure have a baby picture somewhere of myself in a pile of ruffles. I assume you also have the same. I assume we all do because that's just so cute. That's the magic of having a little girl. You can put a little boy in a pile of ruffles. That's fine. I mean, Europeans do it all the time. Yeah, I actually I think don't know. I just like... can just picture like French babies, French baby boys in a pile of ruffles. I always pictured the baptism dresses. Yes, as like you just put a little boy in a little pile of ruffles. Mm-hmm. They just do it. It's just what you do. So it's more of like so a religious thing than a European thing, but. We kn- yeah. We know how your you Europeans have some religion, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know. I'm probably not progressive enough, because I'm like, once I have a little baby in my arms, if they're a little boy, I'm gonna be like, you're gonna get little tiny three piece suits. That's hilarious. <laughs> and if you're a little girl, you're gonna get big old fat ruffle dresses. That is amusing to me to no end. You, I. I was going to make, like, an Elon Musk baby name joke, but I actually... It's been months now, and I still don't know how to pronounce that name. I have no idea. Yeah. I used it as the name of my team at, like, a work thing one time, just to make it very difficult <laughs> for the manager who was leading the fun team activity to identify oh, who no. our group was. <laughs> but that was... Pretty Aww. much it. He never made an effort to pronounce it either. And I was like, I get it. Oh, but it's more fun if you just pronounce it differently every time <laughs> you say it. Billy. <laughs> Kevin. Iodine. <laughs> Mayonnaise. Insensitive. <laughs> Vitamin. Aeroplane. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce airplane? Aeroplane. Aeroplane. <laughs> Um, let's get to the yeah, show. We'll We've derailed in. this long enough. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been about 17 minutes, so. Whoops. That's okay. You love to hear about my baby. I hope. Because it will never stop. It's the beginning of forever for you all. Mm-hmm. Here we go. <laughs> this is going down in history. This is going on the internet. Yay. Forever. Um, but yeah, my baby talk is so much more interesting than episode six. Yeah. Let's just roast that episode. It feels like a good idea, as I've said before and I'll say again, to just get the negative feelings out of the way first so that we can end on a positive note, because we do like the K-drama. We don't hate it. We just don't love what's happening in episode six. (laughs) I have... Three, two and a half notes. No, three and a half notes. And one of them is insane. Should we go in or should we talk briefly about episode five? I honestly don't really remember it, but we'll go in order. Sure. I think most of my notes are from episode five. I wrote notes this time. Whoa. What? Who is this Raquel? Whoa. Get off the podcast. You're not Raquel. <laughs> <laughs> most of my notes are boring. So what are your notes? Well, my first one is how I just can't hate the villains in this show based on their actions in episode five. Because if the villains are saving puppies and dead birds and bringing the dead birds to life, then who am I? 
to cast stones. <laughs> I have yet to see them do anything I disagree with, at least in these four episodes. Okay, oh, wait. No. Some women died. There was died. an episode where yeah. they wrong really beat up Shinju. Yeah, and I actually love that good boy, Shinju. So that's rough. And also the the nice young man who brought a bird back to life did kill like a bunch of his babysitters. So Yeah, those seem like nice ladies. Yeah, they didn't deserve that. Um but the bird was a good move. The bird was a good move. I don't disagree with that. I don't condemn it. I don't condemn taking care of baby puppies that are being abused. I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. That was so precious. Break every finger, every bone in those boys' hands. I don't even care. I'm not even mad at it. I think that's a really good idea, <laughs> actually. I that's who I am as a person. Maybe this is divisive. I don't maybe I'm a monster. I want all of their hand bones to be broken. They threw baseballs at a puppy. Mhm. So, yeah, no, I'm fine with that punishment. Yeah, that feels I think it's just. the point where they say he's not dead yet. You got to throw harder. Yep. He's like, "Oh, okay. So you're like actually broken as people." Yeah, you're just absolute sociopaths cuz right now it's a puppy, so uh, first of all, there's nothing better in this world than dogs, so you've already condemned yourself in the eyes of any existing god. But, um, you, I mean, what do you move on to after you're done annihilating a puppy with baseballs, you effing monsters? So yeah, actually, I don't mind it. If they had been murdered in that used car lot, or whatever it is, that trash lot, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if they'd been murdered... If they'd been crushed in the crushing machine, I don't know how mad I would have been. That's so gruesome. And I still would have been like, I don't know. Gumiho, justice. Who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? The foxes do what the foxes deem best for the forest. So <laughs> here we are. So I'm fine with this. That was my first note. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, second note. Also, I believe from episode five. Maybe from episode six. I did not keep very good track. Uh, I also think coffee tastes better when someone else made it. I hate drinking coffee I made. Oh. Yeah. I've been a barista, too, and I didn't like drinking the coffee I made. It was better than making a pot of coffee because I could get, you know, fun and creative with the syrups and the milks and mm. the coffees and the teas and the stuff. But that said, um, I still preferred when someone else made it somehow they always just had a magic touch you know so when he said he didn't want to yeah, it's made with love yeah yep i don't make it for myself with love i wish i did i want to be the kind of person that does that but i make it with practicality for myself what do i need here you know anyway I get that he said that line when they were having kind of a cute date uh that i did like the dates make their relationship actually feel like it's growing. They're kind of boring sometimes, but I also don't feel like this relationship is coming out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, that's fair. But I think they were on a date that was... They do a lot of these two scenes happening at the same time and they kind of cut back and forth. That's been a pattern in this show. And they were on their date at the same time as... Oh, what's the lady fox's name? Mm. Yuri? Yuri, thank you. Yuri and 
Shinju were treating the dog, and I was so much more interested in that ship for just a moment. I was like, hi, uh, great, you're having a date, you're having a good time, we can establish that. Can we get back to the vet hospital? Because I'm invested in the dog. I'm invested in these foxes starting to see and understand each other. I'm invested in this growth, whereas Jia and Leon have given me so much solid relationship, especially within at least the first part of these four episodes where it was like, oh, they're just kind of together now. It's not really said. They didn't really have a define the relationship. They're just kind of always together and maybe they're each other's past loves. So they're doing their own thing. And that's established. That is solid. And I don't care about it right now. Yeah, don't really necessarily want to endure getting to know you games. As cute as it is, it really is very mm -hmm. sweet. And I do like it. And I'm glad that he's getting to know this iteration of his past love. Because we can get into how much we are struggling with the whole who does he actually love? Does he love both of them? Why does he love Gia? Uh, Gia, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just really hard. And so every moment they give me that's like, oh, this is why he loves Gia, you know, is gonna be a good thing for me because, yeah, we can get we can get into it. We can get into it at any time. We can get into it now. We can get into it later, but we should get into it. Let's get into it. Do you have any more notes for five? Because I have a quote from six that can start us off. Yeah, I've got two more, just really small ones. Right. And one of them is somewhat related. Uh, so I'll save that one for last as a more natural transition. Uh, he does drive his car and it it shows the full car and maybe it did before now. It's a Volvo because this is brought to you by Volvo. Thank you very much, Volvo. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting because I think it's maybe one of the first times we've seen one of the only times, I guess we can't say first times, um, one of the only times in the K-dramas we have watched that we've seen someone driving a luxury car that's not a sports car, which is kind of mm. nice. It's very practical, you know, get you a hatchback, get you something that looks like a freaking uh, <laughs> Hyundai freaking Crave. I don't know. What are the cars with the hat? The I don't know cars names, so I couldn't help you, but I like Hyundai Crave. <laughs> it's kind of a fun one. <laughs> that we just invented. I think I just... Combine two cars. I, I think I combined a different make to a different model. It's fine. Um, but I just noticed it and I just wanted to poke a little fun at the fact that he drives such a family man car. <laughs> like, it's still luxury. Aww. But he's ready for puppies. Uh -huh. <laughs> he's, he's interested in children. Mm -hmm. He's not... Ooh, I shouldn't have said that. There was one point when he was walking down the street and he sees a family and he's like thinking about how Gia said this really deep line about how kids need their parents all throughout their lives. But there's a second when the little girl laughs and he like whips his head over and I'm like, oh no, he fell in love again. And then I was like, no, am I broken or is the show broken? Well, Do I truly think Leon is a bit of a pedophile? I might. Here's where they made it tricky for us as viewers continually having an adult ass 
many hundred at first and now thousand year go- old god continually encounter a child that he later falls in love with. There's so much heavy lifting to do on our end to be like, he's not in love with the child. He's in love with the woman later. He does not fall in love with her in this moment. This is just affection. And we cannot label it anything else. We can't label it fatherly or brotherly affection because he does fall in love with her later. You can't make it a safe affection. You have to just label it affection. And then romantic love after adulthood. There's even a, f- a time that they show little baby Aum back in the past shooting arrows into apples, and then it transitions into kind of more adult Aum shooting her bow and arrows. And they do, it's a thing about beautiful Korean drama stars looking ageless, where this actress could play. A 15-year-old, easily. The way they styled her hair in that scene and did her makeup and did her outfitting. There was something about the transition that I was like, oh, she's a teenager now. My brain just went to, like, she's 15 now, but he's in love with her. And I, I think it's that she's beautiful and ageless, but it's still so creepy to see... This transition of, like, he was mentoring, he was adoring this small child, and then she turns into a beautiful young lady, and you're like, she still seems a bit young, bud. Let's give it a little more time. And, ah, that's not the show's fault. That one's my fault. But there is a lot of the show's fault here. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say that most of the fault should go with the show because they made the executive decision to incorporate meeting a child meeting a god into the show instead of just letting it be you know like i just think that maybe there's something that writers of korean dramas find innately romantic about that that i don't agree with on any level and you know that's just a difference of opinion it will never be romantic to me it will never it will Mm -hmm. always be the opposite of romance i will always have to put in so much extra effort to deal with what they're doing to me and their characters and i'm sorry writers i just it's not something that i can really compromise with you on like i can't tiptoe around and be like man what beautiful perfect in like i cannot criticize this writing i will never be able to say that because of what you versus normally i'm like hey i'm not a writer so like who am i to judge what i do know is that i would never write something like this into the show i just wouldn't and i and i i do have a problem with it Yeah, it's, we had the same problem with Goblin, which is one of our all-time favorite shows, and she was 19 when they met, when the show starts, and that was hard enough to be like, he is significantly older than her, and she is 19, that is so young, and this show's like, what if we do you one better, (laughs) 10 years younger, 
You don't. Ha- this isn't a competition. You don't have Please to. Please do don't. And I, I. You don't have to do this. It's not even just these two. Like I don't think that these are the only two that are completely guilty of this. I remember Huayugi did a similar mm-hmm. thing, but at least in Huayugi, uh, this is not spoiler. It happens within like the first ten minutes of the episode. Um, he's not nice to her, and he. He doesn't try to develop any kind of affection for her as a child. They meet, and that's weird enough, but, like, it's kind of more okay, because they're kind of asshats to each other in the beginning. She's like, hey, you're a shit. And he's like, ah, sucks to suck, loser. And then he leaves for a really long time. It's that thing that I think they're going for in this show, where it's supposed to show the innocence of children and how cute and sweet it is when they run into something so mysterious whereas an adult you you have the all these ideas and all these stories and you may go into things like meeting a mythical creature with expectations and they did such a good job with the little boy who turns out to be the reincarnation of the puppy approaching these gods with this childlike innocence and showing how cute it is and how interesting it is that children meet these creatures and how they interact with them so differently than an adult meeting these creatures would. But it just comes off so wrong to be like, and then the child that meets this creature becomes the female lead that he falls in love with. It's like, just skip that part then yeah. leave the childlike innocence to these tertiary characters like the little boy yeah like you can absolutely explore that or the childlike innocence of the two little ghost girls and how they interacted with him and mm-hmm. how they were mischievous and weren't necessarily doing the right thing but they were a completely different entity and they still had innocence in their own way and You know, there was just a million different ways they could have explored that, and for some reason they wanted to explore it with something that they later wanted to make a romantic relationship, and that's just not gonna throw you a bone, writers. Sorry, that sucks. That's gross to me. Yep. I don't know. I mean, if if our listeners can... I'm not saying it will change my mind. I'm not, like, the freaking change-my-mind meme guy. Right now, I don't necessarily want my mind changed, necessarily. If someone can come to me and make this feel a little bit better, that's fine. But, you know, I get what they were going for. So I feel like any argument someone brought to me would be like, well, this is what they were going for. And I'd just be like, I don't care. It's so weird. Uh-huh. Um, this wasn't even the rant that we had prepared. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I have didn't... another rant coming. I didn't mean to get here like this. I'm, I'm glad so we did. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to get um, worse before it gets better. So just buckle in, I guess. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so the final note for the episodes like uh, five and six that I've got uh, that kind of transitions. Um, I've got one more for later, but we can bring that up when we're like not having a meltdown about the things we didn't like about these episodes. (laughs) 
Um, but the last note that I have for these episodes is Lee Dong Wook is very naturally charming. And it's honestly a very good thing for them and for this show because episode six, he was carrying the show. A little bit, yeah. There There was a drag there, a significant drag, and Lee Dong-wook really kept it going. Yeah, he is very, very naturally charming. He's very good at striking the balance, and I think we talked about this last time, too. Um, He's very skilled at striking the balance between kind of an emotionally cool person who just who's naturally that way who who doesn't emote constantly or i guess positively emote all the time like keeps it pretty cool um but then having moments of warmth that don't feel disingenuous to the character uh that actually bring Mm -hmm. a lot of warmth to the show which i'm grateful for because not all male leads have the skill to balance the emotionally detached to the but still a person that we like and we're rooting for and is very um, engaging and, like I said, charming. Uh, so yeah, I'm very grateful for him because in episode six, it just felt like uh, we were getting a lot of mixed signals and low emotion from Gia. It felt like she was trying to hold her emotions back so much and keep it all in and she was doing that perfectly. She's giving us nothing. (laughs) And that's, I think, what she wanted. Right. She wanted to not cry and break down at every other moment, but it gives you this sense of, like, not being able to connect with her and not feeling like she's connecting with her emotions at all. Right. And it's not even... It's dry. Yes. And it's not even that I'm, like, asking her to have a breakdown. It's okay to not have a breakdown and still feel your feelings, I guess, or still just kind of handle yourself while feelings are happening. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I just, yeah, it felt like there was just a lot held back and that was an intentional decision. I'm not saying that it was bad acting necessarily or at all like i i don't cast stones at actors because i cannot act um but it was just very yes like you said it was dry and kind of hard to connect with when she's explaining a really emotional concept talking about her parents and how hard it was growing up without them because she could remember them but she felt like she couldn't really compare against someone who had a mom because she would never be able to have that person in her corner anymore and she really missed that and that's so emotional like that is heartbreaking yeah i'm getting choked up just hearing you talk about it (laughs) and then her saying so i eat chicken feet so you can't tell if it's the capsaicin or the sadness that's making me cry and then you have to stop and think but you weren't crying. You don't really seem even sad. You seem like kind of uh, morose, I guess, which I know is just a big fancy word for sad, but it's more contemplative, a quiet sadness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you seem okay, though. Like you're keeping it together. 
And are you sad? You said you were sad, but you're not. But are you? You're good. Just spicy. And I think that's happened a couple times. I remember a couple episodes ago, there was a scene where she said a very similar line of, I laugh so I don't cry when she was talking about staying in the same house so that her parents could find her if they ever come back. And you get, yeah, they've they've developed this very solid character who very clearly is masking her emotions with this facade of calm. But I wish they had done it just slightly differently, maybe even setting-wise, where I feel like we could see her maybe in her element more often and trying to hide these things at work or out in the field and under different circumstances being confronted with these feelings of having lost her parents. But we see her in constantly, these quiet moments with Leon in her own house where she can't emote. And you're like, if you can't emote, in your own house with someone you trust a lot and just by yourselves. Can you even emote to yourself how you're feeling? Are you okay? It seems like maybe you're just broken. Yeah. Like, you need to talk to someone about um, how you don't feel connected to your feelings because that feels more concerning to me than trauma is the dissociation so i don't know maybe it's all a choice it's just hard it's hard to connect to that because i want to feel emotional with you you know it's a it's a drama Mm -hmm. let me let's write let's go through this together let's start this journey gia give me all the monologues that you want to give me and cry during all of them i know you can because when you turned around from the mirror looking at your past and you had all the tears streaming down your face. I, I got choked up. Like, you are an amazing actress who can give so much. And I know that it's just the character that is trying to hide herself. But it's getting to the point where I'm like, I, I can't connect with you. I can't understand you if, even in these quiet moments, you can't be yourself. Um, this is also not the ranch that I had planned. <laughs> third rant we're ready Enter. um the first line that i wrote for episode six that raquel and i have tried to dissect for days now is <laughs> it's not that i'm a montage desirable to go anywhere for and if okay. anyone can explain those words to me and that would be great. And why those words took her from upset at him kissing who she assumes was his past love in his mind to being kind of flirty and forgiving in in just like one second all she had to say were those words and then she gave like a flirty forgiving face like ah it's okay bud you know but that hey uh-huh. that sentence gibberish that was a gibberish sentence and you're both smiling like you know it's a gibberish sentence but more likely like you knew what it meant and then you'd spend the next 15 minutes being like awkward high school sweethearts on your first date. And I don't get it. What happened? Yeah. I have tried to replace the word montage with something that sounds like montage. But 
is different that might make sense with so many things. The only thing that I got even remotely close with was Mirage. Um, mm. I am not a Mirage. It's not like I am a Mirage. Does that one make it make sense? Have we made it make sense with that? I'm not a Mirage desirable to go anywhere for. Nope, still not good. It's still not a good sentence. No. Nope. So, so the montage definitely is where it falls apart, um, but it, it doesn't get better. I, it's just, the entirety of it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it fixed the whole scene. <laughs> we just moved that's on. That's so confusing. Yeah, because he kisses her, you know, and she's not stoked. And I get, I get, I get it, you know. I'm also, I also wasn't stoked. Yeah, so that takes us into rant number eight hundred. Um, yeah, the the one we've planned. Yes. the one we've been building up for. The only one we knew about going into this, uh, which is <laughs> I don't like the whole reincarnation thing uh nope. romantically speaking it maybe maybe there's a way to do it that i would like it but as is i think the way to do it that i would like it is if she was a different person if she had a different face because he could maybe accept a little more easily that although she is the reincarnation of his past love, she is her own person and a new person and a different person. As it is, she essentially knows nothing about her past life, as most of us don't, and he can't help but look at her as her past self. It's very hard for him to separate his love for Aum from his growing love for Jia, and it's really hard to watch. It's It feels so unfair to Jia. Yeah, it's a big bummer. She doesn't deserve that. Aum doesn't deserve to just have been reduced to a ghost of her former self that he can't let go. Um... Gia doesn't deserve to become that ghost. She deserves to be her own person. And it just brings it down to just... Reincarnation is such a tricky one to make right. And it's just really hard to, like... That's why the last time we recorded... First of all, I was really glad when he thought she wasn't um, the reincarnation of Aum in the last episodes before these four... Because back when that was happening, he was kind of gaining affection for her as Gia specifically. And things got so much more convoluted, like you said, when he kind of realized she was Aum. And then now we're just kind of dealing with the fallout of that and how he's sorting through that. And it doesn't feel like in the most healthy way. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just... It's impossible... It's not impossible to get reincarnation right when you're setting up a romance that involves reincarnation. It's just extremely um, difficult this time around, the way they're doing it here. It doesn't feel great. Like, he loves her. It doesn't feel romantic. Mm -hmm. And I was just really stoked back in the day when I thought maybe it wasn't going to be her reincarnated. I thought, wow, what a cool concept. That's really unique. It's 
a person with the same face with a different soul that he's falling in love with. Um, we'll deal with that. I think they'll bring it back. I believe in these writers. They're doing such great things overall Mm -hmm. that I really think they'll bring it back. They'll get us back into the romance. I I think they knew we were all falling off the train a little bit based on the end of episode eight. They were like, yeah, Yeah. none of us are really on board with the relationship right now. Is that our main storyline anymore? (laughs) Not for a moment. No, for a second, we're actually going to focus on the reconciliation of brothers, I hope. I hope it's a real reconciliation. They really, as as much as like a mid-season breakup hurts where freaking Gia was like, I saw my past life and you murdered me. And he's like, yep, I'm the worst. And you're like, ugh. Okay. It's <laughs> so painful no matter how many times you see it played out. But it was so much worse to see him talk to his little brother and be like I've let you win every single game because you're weaker than me and you needed it and I wish I had never saved you from being eaten in that forest (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) that's really mean that's the meanest thing I've ever heard in my life I have said some pretty mean things to my sibling I've never gotten remotely close to saying something that mean. Never. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, siblings only dream of actually completely emotionally destroying their sibling. They don't actually do it, Lee Young. Yeah. Just as a heads up. I think there's a little bit of that energy with saying, I wish you had never been born. But even still, that's a line so commonly used that I think kids know it's not real it's not true this was worse this was the real version of that this wasn't even i wish you didn't exist it's i wish i hadn't saved you from the most painful moment in your life like i wanted you to exist and go through pain and then be killed by it (laughs) leon (laughs) no what where is your your brother's in pain right now yeah that's a that's a lot. Your brother is being a real shithead, and I still think you've crossed a line just now. I still think he deserves a hug sometimes. Yep. So I'm <laughs> glad you went through that door, but that is, wow, step one on a rocky road you're about to have to take. <laughs> you have paved it yourself, sir. <laughs> um, But yeah, I was actually really heartened by the fact that he went through the door to save his brother. First, we're going to say first. I don't think that they're just going to leave Gia to die. (laughs) I think that probably she will either... It would actually be really cool if her solution was saving herself. I would... Oh, you know I would love to see it. You know I would love to see her save herself. And then if Leon wanted to go ahead and take another shot at his poor little brother and just say... See, that's someone who saved themselves. You know, it wouldn't be nice. It wouldn't be the nice thing to do. But uh-huh. but he wouldn't be wrong, you know. <laughs> it, it feels like the nightmares were a little bit different. We'll see if Gia has to face the fox monsters in her house. And if they multiply and there's a thousand of them, I think it'd be on the same level. 
I think Li Rong would have a leg to stand on if he's like, okay, when I was a child, there were two zombies. I know they're not zombies, they're ghosts or something. <laughs> but as an adult in this dream hellscape, there are like a thousand of them. It feels unfair to say I could have saved myself. So if Jia's facing off the exact same scenario that she did as a child Times a thousand. in the case where she also won, yeah, not fair to say, but if she's facing it times a thousand, then uh, I'll, I'll give her props for that, perhaps. But in, in the meantime, while we wait to find out what happens, here for a bromance, here to watch them reconcile, here to watch, I mean, they really pulled it, thank you writers, you really pulled it back, because... We really we wanted him to go through and save his brother, and then he did it. Wow. He did it. I wanted it with my whole heart. I would have been so upset if he rescued his girlfriend. I I guess I'm broken, and I'm not here for the romance like I thought I was. Um, A couple last thoughts. I have my last note here. Uh, this is also sort of speaking of bromance, because we love the good, good boy whose name I don't actually have anymore. We've talked about him recently. Um, the vet? Oh, the puppy boy? No, the vet. Shinju. Shinju. Um, because there was a part where he was being beat pretty much to death. He didn't die. Now that we're, we're in a situation where we can now take a collective breath and say, oh god, he didn't die. I did think he was dying when I wrote this down. And I said, I have no patience for comedy lunches. Well, the good boy best friend puppy savior is dying because they were having an awkward lunch and they were doing that thing where they switch between a really awful scene and a comedic scene. Uh, they do it pretty often, actually. Uh-huh. And they kept cutting back and forth between him getting the shit beat out of him by, by Li Rong. And then they would switch back to freaking Gia's boss just being like so what do you do for a living and I just didn't care uh -huh. I didn't give a shit uh huh he uh, you feel like the boss could be a fine character I feel like he is fine as a person they make you hate him as much as everybody else seems to hate him for some reason <laughs> by the scenes that they cut in to his scenes yep they're like, okay, give the most dramatic scene, and then have him saying something no one cares about, and <laughs> and go ahead and make that right juxtaposition. Uh huh. Okay. All right. What? Okay. Um. No, but okay. No, I feel like he's just a normal guy. Otherwise, he's just your normal, slightly awkward boss. But you're really making me dislike him by putting him in all these very intense scenes and making him disrupt the flow. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Yep. I guess I hate him too. So <laughs> I guess I hate him too. Well done. Yep. Um and that was my last note. I just wanted to really quick talk about how often they do make him <laughs> just a form of torture. I have two more notes I want to talk about very briefly. One is we've said it a thousand times already the little boy whose name we still don't know being the reincarnation of the puppy <gasps> so good. I, I did not see that coming at all 
immediately starts crying as soon as the glasses show him as a puppy. I just immediately was like, <laughs> I didn't actually cry, but damn, it would have been a good reason to. That, uh-huh. that cute little potato was that good, good little puppy that I do fast forward through every scene that it shows that dying puppy moment. I can't do it. I have to 10 yeah, seconds skip. Yeah, wow. They're long, too. Yep. They're like, you're going to watch this puppy die forever. Yeah, I can't do it. There's some sadness I'm willing to sit with, and there's some I can't. And don't ask mm-hmm. me to sit with that one. Nope. But they're like, don't worry, guys. Reincarnation is real. Yeah, The puppy is back. Also, that little boy, the actor, I'm pretty sure was like a toddler back when her private life was created, and he was the best friend's uh, little boy. I recognize the boy. He's the little karate boy. Yeah. <laughs> this little mushroom head. Oh, He can be in everything. He is adorable. Give this boy every cute boy role in every show ever. I don't even care if it's not in it. Korean. He doesn't have to talk. Just put him in there. Also, okay, I added a new note. Here's note one and a half. Can we also give more roles to the boy who played Baby Imugi? Because he didn't have that much screen time. But the intensity they got from a child actor was off the charts. Yeah, he was a spooky little boy. The spookiest. And... He had, like, one line in all of these eight episodes, and he delivered the demon of everybody's nightmares. Yep. Congratulations. You took the thing that spooks people, which is spooky little kids. Uh, You took that little innocent kid, and then you made him a spooky little kid, and that's extra spooky. And then you uh, made him absolutely bone-chilling. So, yes, good job. That's on you. That extra mile, that's on you, little boy. Yep. Kudos. Kudos. And then he became a spooky adult. Not the same. But, like, super hot. Yeah. But spooky. I mean, yeah. Uh, wow. That, those cheekbones. That bone structure. Uh, Get out of here. And then he, you know, any actor that can walk in with um, the bottom of half of their face doing a motion... And the top half of their face doing dead eyes and they're a villain? Like, that that's something that only works for a villain. But it works so effectively for a villain. Give us the dead eye villain. It will get me every time. I love to see it. Yeah. Oof. One more note. It'll be on the same theme of spooky children. Baby Gia and her hypnosis session. Ooh. So perfect. Yeah. Okay, Baby Gia. Dang. Read those signs. I'm... I've been shivered. (laughs) There were a couple times that this show went for horror, and I was just not super feeling it. There was something about it that I was not connecting with. It was somebody something. That moment of watching that spooky little hypnosis videotape was everything. They brought it back. They were like, no, you forgot our talent for a moment. Here it is. This show really knows how to leverage terrifying children. I'm... Yeah. (laughs) They do use it. They maybe abuse it, but damn are they good at it. They're really good at it. Oh, 
Well done to this show. We promise we love it more than it sounded like in this episode. I am probably going to have to cut down just a little bit of how badly we were bashing, you know? No. Leave it unedited, unadulterated. Leave it unedited. Just like, we go all in. Emily and Raquel, uncut. (laughs) No, if you feel you need to, do do what you need to do. Maybe I'll just cut down. But I said what was on my heart. Yeah. I mean, we said what we said. I'll just cut down the amount of time I've devoted to fawning over Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> and we can talk cut, about cut it. Cut out all the baby talk. Yeah, and then we can talk about it on our Ted Lasso baby fan cast. <laughs> <laughs> our combo. Baby Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, we need to call Jason Sudeikis and pitch this to him. <laughs> baby Ted it is two distinct podcasts in one please don't get confused by the title <laughs> comedy geniuses um but yeah if you guys have feelings or like i said i mean i'm i know that sharing my very divisive opinion invites discourse um please be at least somewhat kind um if you deeply disagree with the writer's choices to incorporate children into future romances um, when they're not children. I get it. She wasn't a kid. Whatever. Uh, if you have feelings that you are different from my feelings and you want to tell me how bad my feelings are, there's plenty of places to get a hold of us. You can email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave public comments directly on our episodes if you're really <laughs> rearing to roast us. <laughs> On playonk.com. Yeah. Um, we also are on... Man, if this is like your first episode of Play on K, maybe hold off on rating and reviewing us and just like give us a chance, <laughs> listen to a couple more episodes. Usually it doesn't go like this, but you know, if you do like us, you can rate and review us on the websites you find us on. And finally, we're on Instagram and Twitter if you want to give us... A little mini roast. That's we're play on K podcast on Twitter and at play on. Oh, wait, I mixed it up. Play on K podcast on Instagram and at play on K on Twitter. Thanks. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, K bye. K bye.